Welcome to the Entrepreneur Accelerator Podcast. I'm your host, Reem Kharbat. This is a podcast for entrepreneurs and small business owners who want to accelerate their success in life and in business. And whether you're new to the business world, This show will help you because it's a mix of my own experience on how I built my three businesses in five years after being a top-notch executive in the corporate world. And I also speak with influencers and top leaders in the industry to help you and inspire you in mindset, marketing, strategy, sales, and everything in between. If you're new to the show, welcome. I'm the host of T and the founder of the Entrepreneur Accelerator Lab, a mentoring program, and I'm here to help you and inspire you launch and grow your business without wasting years of your life. If you'd like to learn more strategies, more seven-figure strategies, and you want to be surrounded by like-minded people, I encourage you to join my community on Facebook, Entrepreneur Accelerator Lab, where I give you all my experience and all the trainings that will help you start and launch your business using seven-figure launch strategies. I hope that you will enjoy this episode. It's an amazing one, and I'm sure you will have lots of uh, takeaways from it. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into today's episode. Enjoy. I'm super excited for today's episode. In this podcast, I get the chance to meet with amazing people from all around the globe. I'm really happy because in this episode, my guest is Brendan Steiner. He's the former founder and chairman of Steiner Sports Marketing and Memorabilia, the largest company of its kind in America. He partnered with some of the biggest names in sports, including New York Yankees, Madison Square Garden, Notre Dame, Los Angeles Dodgers, Chicago Cubs, Derek Jeter, Ellie Manning, along with several others. He's a permanent fixture in the media and has authored three books, The Business Playbook, You Gotta Have Balls, and Living on Purpose. Brendan uses his experience for from over three decades in the sports industry to inspire and educate audiences across the globe. He combines a personal storytelling style with a proven business philosophies and strategies that catapulted his company to the top of its industry. Brandon's talks are built to grow your business by differentiating yourself from your competitors, through building relationships, motivating your team, increasing productivity, and anticipating your customers' needs. Brendan, this is the minimum or the least that I can say about you. You're a legend, and I'm super happy to have you here in this podcast. Thank you so much for being with me today in the show. Thanks for having me. I just wanted to mention one little thing that I did start a new company, and it's never too late to have your best day. And uh, Collectible Exchange, or CXStuff.com is my new company, or the Steiner Agency. But Collectible Exchange is disrupting everything that you just said, and it's uh, creating a a real madhouse here and and, and spreading like wildfire. So I'm really excited. I'm about eight months into my new company, almost a year. Yes, uh, I think it started in December. I feel like a 19-year-old again. Amazing, amazing. Yes, I'll... I was about to mention that, and we will talk more about this in details and what you are going, going to do with this. But first, uh, can you 
can we go back a little bit in time when you were 12 year old and when you started selling stuff for the candy uh, box? Can you tell us a little bit about this story and how did it help you start this journey of a huge entrepreneurial journey? I think what's important is, and I'll, I'll lay out the story, is that a lot of people ask me is when you look at people that are, have some success in business, you, you want that success. And yeah. I tell people all the time, you don't want that success. You want the process that led them to that success. You want to pop. You want to progress on your process. You don't want to own someone else's success and mirror it. You want to mirror the processes that one, how they became successful. So when people ask me, you know, how do you develop relationships with the Yankees and some of these big names and you know, unfortunately, I have to take them back to when I was 12. And it's that's not really the answer that they're looking for, but it really is the answer. I was hustling on the streets of Brooklyn. I'm from Brooklyn, a pretty busy borough. A lot of people live in Brooklyn. It's pretty crowded. And my, I asked my mom, you know, for an idea because I was working every day after school and on Saturdays, and I wanted to play sports. So she said to go down to the Every U and go down. There's a paper route store. They'll give you a paper route. And I deliver papers in the morning. So I started delivering the papers. And by the way, the first time I went to open up my route, it was 29 papers that I was delivering to 29 people. And there was a sign on the wall that said, whoever opens up the most accounts will win a box of candy bars. So I'm thinking, I grew up extremely poor, lived over a butcher, not on welfare most of my childhood. Winning a box of candy bars would be huge. So I'm knocking on doors, nothing. Three days straight, nothing. I go to this old woman's house and knock on her door. And I said, man, would you like to get the paper delivered? She says, no, absolutely not. I said, yeah, but I see you get the paper. She says, yeah, I get it from the corner store. I said, it's the same price for me as it is the corner store. She says, yeah, but then I got to tip you. So I go home and I tell my mom, we got to move out of this neighborhood. You know, <laughs> people are cheap. They're no good. They're lousy rotten. And my mother says, sit down. I'm going to tell you the most valuable lesson. Number one, you got to stop selling. Number two, you got to start serving and you have to be a solution-based salesperson. Wow. Find out a problem that someone has and figure out you could solve it. That's who people want to do business with. And if you're selling something that other people have, you have to differentiate yourself. You can't sell the same thing that other people have and expect people just to buy it. What are you doing to differentiate yourself? Stop selling. So I go back and start knocking on doors and I have zero luck. I am going out of my mind. And at 12, I'm trying to figure it out. And I go back at around 10 o'clock at night or something. This was like an apartment building. I said, man, just give me one minute. I was thinking about this torrential downpour, snowstorm, heat wave, ice on the ground, really bad weather. A woman such as yourself should be outside. I'll pick you up milk and bagels on Wednesday and Sunday. And I'll make sure your newspaper's here every morning by 7.30, no matter what, rain or shine. I said, you would do that for me? I said, yeah, I was concerned. Not only did that lady get the paper from me, but I went from 29 dailies to 199 dailies. Wow. And she knew everyone in the neighborhood. And, and really how I hope that story resonates is number one, are you really listening to your customers and mm-hmm. trying to serve them what they need and sell them what they need to buy, not only sell them what you have to sell? Mm-hmm. And are you differentiating yourself? And are you being a solution-based salesperson? Are you trying to find out what the customer that you're dealing with's problems are and trying to find an angle? I had no idea that woman was going to turn me on to every older person in the neighborhood. And I was delivering more milk, bagels, and bread than I wore newspapers. So I was making a fortune. But I 
valuable lesson, and that is value proposition. What's the value that you're offering your customer? And value is what you can do for someone that they can't do for themselves. You must, I think that businesses and entrepreneurs have to focus on value and be honest about the value that you're providing and making sure that value can stand tall. Because if you can provide something that someone can't do for themselves, probably people are going to keep you around. Mm, so true. So true. That's amazing. And and just at 12 years old and your mom told you all that, like for us, it took us years to realize that a lot of errors and mistakes and you just learned that at the age of 12. Do you think that what really helped you develop the skills of how to upsell, how to sell and how to serve and how to build that empire. I remember I heard your story at 1994, I think, when also you felt that you needed money. Can you tell us a little bit about this story? And because I really loved all the stories that you've shared. And I know that we can learn so much from your experience and from your journey. Understanding your customers and knowing that you need to serve. But at the same time, we need money. Some people will tell you, will come and tell you, but I need money. So I can't think of other people. I can't help others if I can't help myself. So what can you tell us about that? A very important lesson there I just want to emphasize, which is when people see an account or a piece of business that they can, you you meet someone that's wealthy or celebrity, your first instinct is to think, what can I get from that person? True. What kind of business or who does that person know I can now use that person to get to another person? And it's usually what I can get. My What I've learned from that lesson with the paper story and, and what I've learned going forward is immediately when I meet somebody of some value that has value, that has success, and what can I do for that person? Mm-hmm. You, know, you have to think along the lines of you're going to play the long game of what you can give and what you can do for someone else, not what you can receive. And sometimes even if you can't receive anything in the short term, but it's about what you can do for them. And that's really how I built up my, my companies is always what I can do for them. I think you know it's important when I talk about my third book, Living on Purpose, it's about faith, fortune, and fitness. And a big part of it, people always want to know how they can get rich quick or how they can make a lot of money. I get it. And that's probably what somebody is listening right now wants to know. Hey, Brand, I hear about all that. I need to make some money. And it's okay to do the money grab sometimes. So it's just that when you're doing the money grab your whole life, you're going to come up short. That's a big message in that book. I think it's okay to do the money grab. And there are times where you just got to stick your head out the window and go, I need to make some cash. I want to go buy a bigger car. I want to get a nice house. I'm getting married. I need a ring for my wife, whatever it is. So in 1994, my mom had just passed. It was was a big moment in New York sports because here they have a hockey team called Mm -hmm. the New York Rangers. And there's a very diehard, almost like the way you guys feel about soccer. There's a diehard fan base in New York that love the Rangers, love the hockey. And it had been 54 years since they won. So I'm sitting on the train and all I'm thinking about is how I can get a car because I hated going on the train and I didn't have the nerve. My wife was uh, more of an earner. And she was supporting us. I didn't have the nerve to go home and ask her to get a car so I could drive into work every day. So I was trying to think, how can I scheme? How can I go afford a car? Because I couldn't stand getting on the train. I'd always miss the train. And all these people crowded in on me. I couldn't think. And I like to think a lot on my way to work. So I looked down on the newspaper and there was a picture of the captain who won the Stanley Cup for, for the Rangers on the front page of the newspaper. And I said to myself, I was trying to think of a zillion ideas of how I could scheme, make some money. I was, I see this picture of this guy named Mark Messier. He was a Ranger captain, great hockey player. And in my mind, I think if I can get Mark to sign these photos, mm-hmm. I bet everybody was at that game would want one. So sure enough, it took me about three months to track them down. And I did. And sure enough, I made a lot of money. And initially when I started Steiner Collectibles, my old company, 
I'm with Collectible Exchange now, but my old company started with a signing with Mark Messier. And it was just a money grab. It was just about buying a new car. And sure enough, after I did that deal, six months later, I bought myself a brand new car and I was happy. But the purpose after that kicked in where I started really dreaming and scheming and obviously I viewed collectibles a lot differently. But sometimes your initial impulse to an idea always starts with dreaming. I think dreaming is such an important element. And then sometimes it just, you get into a sprint. I put it like this. When business, you have to decide if you want to be a sprinter or a marathon runner. And sometimes the quick money grab is a sprinter mentality. On your mark, get set, go. You got 40 yards, you're running as fast as you can. There's not a lot of strategy to it. You run a marathon, you're thinking hydration. You're thinking about speeding up, going faster, longevity. You're thinking about all the other people that are racing against you, where they stand and where they are, the weather conditions, all those factors. And I think once in a while, you have to be a sprinter. You see an opportunity, you go after it, you get hostile and you grab it. I think there are other times, I think in in the bigger picture, I'd like to look at myself more as a marathon runner business person and thinking about the long game and not always what I can make, but what I can build. I look at more of my relationship initially is what can I build with this person? Not only what the money can I make and what value can I give? Amazing. This is really, really amazing and important because uh, as you said, we think of what can we get right now? What can we get immediately? But we tend to forget the impact on the long term. You always mention that your first idea um, might not be your best idea. Why is that? What does that mean? First of all, I just want to emphasize one last point on the last thing we just talked about is that it's okay to money grab once in a while. It's mm. okay to just say, you know, I see an opportunity to make a boatload of money. I'm going after it. I just don't want your life work to be that way and to make sure mm. that there's a stop and start. I think in every sport, one of the most important elements in any sport for sports fans out there is changing speed. The baseball player who can change, who can throw 100 miles an hour, 65 miles an hour. The soccer player who stops and then goes, accelerates, changes direction. I think you got to be that way in business too. You know, there are times when you're going all out and there are times when you got to change speeds. And in business, if you're not changing speeds or resetting yourself in different patterns, then you're probably not long for the extraordinary process that I'm talking about that I want you to live for. Your first idea is not your best idea. It is 99% usually true. I started off, there was a baseball. I'll just kind of show you. I started selling these baseballs and, and a warehouse employee, I don't know if you can see that, but. Yes. Anyway, it's a side baseball, but you know, in a long story short, my warehouse manager came in and told me that we had a problem. We had an excessive amount of signed balls. Now we sell a lot of signed balls. That's the number one collectible with it or whatever. So he comes in the office. He goes, Brandon, we have a problem. We have too many balls. I said, we got balls. So I put up a sign out in the, on the highway that says, we got balls. And it was a picture of all these signed balls. Mm-hmm. So about a month later, my warehouse guy says, we're really moving our balls. And that was funny. It was cute. And he goes, we have footballs and basketballs. So I said, I'm glad we're moving our balls, but we got big balls, which is football yeah. and basketballs. <laughs> And we put up a second billboard. We got balls and we got big balls. Oh, my God. Now, a lot of people would have been happy moving their balls and selling their balls and been happy. I was thinking, again, customer, what other problems can I solve? I was trying to solve our problems of moving our balls and trying to decrease our inventory. And I started thinking about, we need a place to put their balls. Mm. That was funny. Literally and figuratively. So we had sold this thing. This was just a cute the ball in and we're selling it for five bucks now not a complicated let's think, think if i have a not a complicated process there's actually one here so in my office here so anyway i started thinking if you have an expensive if you have an expensive ball 
you probably want to put it in a little bit of a nicer thing than this cube. Mm -hmm. So here it is for $5. A lot of people, their first idea would have been great. Let's just keep with the cube. Mm -hmm. and this is what people are using forever. I developed this beautiful glass case to put the ball in. Cherry wood, glass, ultraviolet rays, blocked in, all beautiful thing. Oh, that's a nice picture of me on the ball, if you see that. So mm -hmm. somebody drew that. Anyway, so now all of a sudden, $19.99 for this. So instead of $5, $19.99, this cost me about $5 to make. So again, my first idea was not my best idea. And then when I started realizing that people couldn't read the signature on the ball, so I started putting photos behind the ball. I called it a photo case and made it now 20 and another $10 onto it. I was selling those for $29.99. What was great about the whole process is that as I'm increasing the price point mm -hmm. and increasing my margin, people are emailing me in, calling and thanking me. Wow. for solving their problem, for protecting what they collect, and for having a place to put their balls. Nobody had thought about. And if you think about your customer and really think about the situation that they're in and what they're going through, a lot of times your solutions come and you can become a solution-based salesperson. Mm -hmm. But it all comes down to your first idea is not your best idea. And a lot of people would have been happy making $4.50. I was much happier making $25 on every transaction. This is a case that ended up costing me about six bucks with a photo. So what I tell people is you don't need more employees all the time. You don't need another building or another floor in your office. What you need to do is take your best ideas and make them better. And I think a lot of times, because you have some success, success could be a tremendous deterrent for more success. If you have something that works, dig down deep and think about how it could work better. Get yourself in a master, get in a mastermind mindset with some of your smarter friends and people and even some outsiders and try to think of some things that you're not thinking of. Because when you have a really good idea, there's a good chance that there's a better idea right around the corner. If you think about the great companies on this planet, at, at, at Apple, they're not thinking about bringing back the Walkman. They're not thinking about bringing back a, a, a Sony. You know, they're looking at how to take this one great idea. It's one of the best companies on the planet, an iPhone, which started with an iPod and, and the thing about how to make that one idea better. If you think about some of the best companies on this planet, they're companies that do one, maybe two things. Sure. Once you start getting outside of what you're doing, how you can do it better, you're probably on a road to mediocrity. Most companies that fail isn't because of their best idea. It's because they got into all these other ideas. So I try to do is stay focused. I would say, what the focus are you talking about? Because mm -hmm. at the end, everybody's always got this new idea. But a lot of time, the best idea is right in front of you. Wow. Wow. That is too much. Like, I need a lot to just comprehend from this conversation. But Brandon, let me ask you this. So you're thinking that you're saying that when having your first idea, which is you you need to focus on and make it better by listening to your customers and understanding more what what their problem is and how to dig deeper and make sure that you're serving them better how do you build a relationship with your clients how do you get closer to your clients and your for example with your company growing more and more how do you get closer to those clients and not just be taken by all the success that is happening how can you build a, a strong relationship with your clients and be able to understand them perfectly to enhance your product first clients know when you're just money grabbing or whether you're actually in it with them and you're excited about what they're excited about you're feeling the pain about what's keeping them up at night they know because you're trying to resolve problems that sometimes don't affect your bottom line 
not every transaction has to be reoccurring incredible revenue. You know, you, in order to care for people, it's got to be wide enough that it covers all the bases. And sometimes those bases include doing things that don't always, you know, they're not convenient. I always say commitment is not always convenient. Client relationships are not always convenient. But let me just say one thing, just to be clear here, it really doesn't matter where you are, whether it be in a relationship or where you are in a process with your product. What matters is what you're willing to accept. That's what matters everything. Like when I have a, a bad relationship with somebody, the question is, are you willing to accept it or are you going to do something about it? Because only until you get a high level of un- unacceptance, a high level of I'm not accepting this, can something happen. When I was a kid, I wasn't willing to accept only having 29 paper, you know, 29 people. I got to a high level of, of unacceptance and I was going to do something about it. And that's what drove me to figure out at some point at 10 and I had to go to the woman and say, I'm going to deliver the milk and bagels. It was my high level of unacceptance. I was not willing to accept getting on the goddamn train every day. I, I just was not willing to accept it. Only that brought me to seeing the back page of the newspaper making them probably not going anywhere. You're not going to be able to think of the solutions for your client. You're not going to think of the solutions for yourself. Only when you get into a high level of unacceptance, you get hostile and you must incorporate a level of hostility into your game until your back is against the wall. Even if you have to play the game within the game. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes you've had a good year. You got to play the game within the game. I bet you don't think I can even get that high. I bet you don't think I can do this. I love when people tell me what I can't do. So your level of hostility, you've got to be, we're built for, we're built to be hostile. We're built to push ourselves further. So sometimes you got to play your own mental mind game. I call it the game within the game to take things further. You know, I'm not going to accept this cube. There's got to be something better. There's got to be a a better way to do this. You know what I mean? You've got to get into that unhappy, miserable mindset, which it's hard to explain with entrepreneurs about how miserable you have to push yourself to to get to the solution because we're coming up with ideas that no one else sees, no one else has done, and no one else believes. And you've yes. got to go and take an idea and bring it to market. And you got to take the risks. You got to sell those people in. And you got to lead the way. And you got to get real hostile and get into a high level of unacceptance of the way things are to convince people that it can be better. And we can do more. I ask people, even if you're listening, what's your level of acceptance? And then if you have, if you yeah, everything's good, I'm like, as soon as I hear that. I'm like, oh boy, that's a person heading down a road to mediocrity, Mm -hmm. which I'm really not interested in hanging out with them. So even with clients, when I'm building relationships, when somebody comes to me and they're really problemed and they're really upset, those are the clients I love. I love the most difficult clients because they're constantly bringing up problems that constantly want better, more, bring it. Mm. That's the kind of push that I want. And if they're not going to do it, I'll push myself. But I think that you know, everything's good. Everything's fine. Like, really? What's fine? What is it in your life that can't be better? At the end of the day, what I tell people all the time, and this is my most important point that I'll bring up to close this out. And that is, you think about the thousands of species that are on this planet, fish, mm. birds, ants, tigers, bears, lions. There's not one species on this planet, elephants will poop, eat for 17 hours, sleep for six hours. They're never going to get better. They've been around hundreds of years. You're never going to come downstairs and see your dog having fed itself, reading the newspaper in the corner and walked itself. A goldfish in your tank is never going to be doing backflips and all kinds of different kinds of strokes. None of these species are getting better except for one, the human species. We're the only species that can get better, that can improve. Think about what's gone on over the last hundred years alone, Mm. the growth, the progress we've made as the human race. We're built to get better. We're built, we're expected to do more and do better. But 
hopefully doing better and doing more for each other and helping each other is also an underlying factor. But if you're not waking up every day thinking about how you could be better, do more, do better for you, your company, your family, then why are you even here? What are you doing? That's the question I got to ask all of you. So what's your level of acceptance and why are you so willing to accept where you're at? It doesn't mean you're not grateful because gratitude and having faith is huge. And I, 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 I beg everyone to turn the volume up of gratitude, turn the volume up of faith, be grateful for what you have, but it doesn't mean you have to accept it. Wow. That is huge. That is really amazing. But since we're now in, in the, the, during this pandemic, we've been in the lockdown for months and months and God knows what's happening next. And a lot of people with all the negativity in the air, just counting the trolls of deaths. And uh, like, I'm telling you, we just, we, we just came from an incident knowing that my in-laws, they're having COVID. And we really don't know. Like they tested positive in another test, it was negative. And it's just scary because we, we cannot reach them. And that affects everything. So how can you keep the momentum? How can you keep the motive? How can you keep the faith when you feel that everybody around you is just whining and everybody is just panicking and everything is going down some people lost their jobs some people they lost their businesses they shut their gyms for example and they have to start all over again so how do you to keep the momentum going with all the craziness happening in the world? First of all, it is an unusual time. And, and certainly you can't ignore the fact that we're going through an incredibly difficult period of time, especially for some. And obviously you're losing lives and it's so much unknown. But faith is believing in something often you can't see. So mm -hmm. having faith that we're here and we're built to deal with some of this kind of adversity and having the faith that God has given us the abilities and God will get give us enough to get through. There's a lot of learning lessons that come through a virus in the situation that we're in. We could all learn a lot and maybe there's some underlying messages because maybe we were all down the wrong path a little bit and maybe we all needed to. I would say the most common, you know, one of the most underused, this is a remote control, one of the most common unused button on this remote control, do you know what that is? The mute. The pause button. The mute is the button you don't want to use. You want to use the pause button. And I think we don't use that button enough. Mm. And I think this virus has given us a little bit of a light to, first of all, pause a little bit, slow down, increase your level of gratitude. So when I get into this environment that we're in now, the first thing I think about is and one of the main reasons why we're all here is to help each other. So mm. focus less on yourself and your family and focus on other people. See how you can be a help in the community. See how you can use, you know, I would say all of us are better than some of us. It's really important to, to, to care about others and to really do all the things that you can do to stay safe for your family, for your community, and care more about the situation that you care about yourself. Because that's also another reason why we're here, is to take care of each other. We can do that. So there's a lot of very valuable lessons when we get into the slowdown. And obviously, you never want to see valuable lessons come at the expense of people's lives. And you don't want live people's livelihoods to, to get uh, shut down or to people to go through starvation, hunger, and poverty. There are a lot of businesses that are going backwards. It wasn't the virus that took those people's businesses out. Those businesses, a lot of those businesses were going out of business. It was just a matter of time. This was just a fork or this was just yeah. a push that took them over the top. 
I think that to me, I've always, my mindset in running my business has always been pretending that there are adverse conditions, making believe that I'm always ready with a plan B. And I think that we all in business particularly should always be ready for a plan B. And I think there's a lot of people that just didn't give much thought to what else they could do, what else would happen, or, and really starting to think a little bit about the future and your plan. I think this type of environment pushes you to that. I don't need to be, I don't mean to be unsympathetic because I, I don't wish this kind of environment, nor do I want this to continue continue. But it also one has to think about, hey, growing is so important and growing with the times and what's going on with tech, because there are a lot of businesses and there are a lot of people that are doing extremely well. It is time to use the word pivot. You should be always thinking about pivoting 365 days a year, regardless of whether there's a virus. You should always be thinking about obtaining other skills and being able to do other things. And I think this virus really shook a lot of people up. They were they got caught in the pause button and it just it was more like the stop button and you stop growing. I always say when you rest, you rust. When you're red, when you when you're green, you're growing. And when you're ripe, you're rotten. And I think a lot of people were either resting or were ripe. Wow. And I think they it kind of is a wake up call to stop resting because when you rest, you rust. And when you're ripe, you're rotten. And I think there's a lot of people that kind of got stuck on being right. And you, you know, no matter what your age is, you can keep dreaming. You should still be trying to get better and or doing more to help more people. So this is a great message. I think worldwide for all of us to help each other and us to get along more and to help the people that are struggling with that transition uh, because there are a lot of people doing well. And I try to work into every day to try to be a little bit of a help to people that are struggling that aren't as fortunate. That's amazing. Thank you so much for this. It was um, very enlightening and it's so true just when we think about what is happening. And as you said, this is not just, maybe this is unusual, but every day, every one of us get through different challenges and it can be like even worse than a pandemic. And we all have to learn to start from deep within and to try to help everybody around us and definitely that will have a bigger impact on us and on, on our business and our, on our lives. Thank you so much, Brandon, for this. I would like to ask you a question based on the theme of my show, which is the Entrepreneur Accelerator. Do you believe there is a strategy or a tip, something that you can advise that people or that entrepreneur can take immediately to implement and get immediate success, like that, that they can take today, implement, and they will find great impact or success in that. Is there anything that you can advise? To? Yes, 100%. First of all, don't overthink it. I would say overdo it. Stop overthinking. Now, entrepreneurism is very simple. It involves understanding your place in the market. So look at something that you do well. Look at something that you're knowledgeable about and find the white space, find the gap, find the place where you know there's something going on and you can make it better. Build up your tolerance for risk because you can't be an entrepreneur without having some tolerance for the unknown and the risk factor. If you're somebody who's afraid of your own shadow or afraid to go into a dark room without any light, this is not going to be for you and it's okay. But entrepreneurism has risk and then making sure that you are prepared to lead. Leadership skills, you don't have to be born with them. But remember, you're going to come up with an idea that's different, it's unique, it's got some risk involved. You've got to be able to sell it in and lead people towards that idea. Don't expect people to just come running towards it. There are many ideas that were horrible and shot down at the beginning. And there's some of the biggest ideas that have ever, ever occurred on this planet. So be prepared for those three things. Understand your place in the market, risk, and then be a leader. And don't overthink it. Overdo it and keep your head on a swivel, being able to pivot and alter your plan a little bit. Don't get stuck. Thank you I so much. I would say much. SOS. Don't be stuck on uh, stupid. 
Sometimes you're right. SOS is so many people that come up with an idea and it's the end all. No, it's not. Maybe it's something else or maybe it's something you're going to get from that idea. People get stuck. So don't be stuck on stupid because... Failure is part a big part of success. So be prepared for some failure. Brace yourself. It's going to come. But you can get through that because the success is right around the corner. Oh, my God. Absolutely awesome. I think this is one of the most favorite episodes for me personally. I truly appreciate everything that you shared with, with us. I wish that I can talk to you for longer hours, but I know that I respect your time and I would love to have you later on maybe one more time on the show. Brandon, if people want to know more about what you're doing now and to get your book, and as you said, since we're getting closer to year end, people need momentum to start fresh next year. Where can they find you? And I know that you're doing something also with your new company, an auction or something. Can you tell us a little bit more about this? We always have an auction platform that's going because there are always people trying to buy and sell. So when you go to Collectible Exchange, you'll see there's an auction going on. You feel free to bid. There's a lot of crazy stuff on our site because we have people from all over the world that are putting stuff on. We're a modern version of eBay, a little bit of a better version, frankly. And then if you want to get a hold of me, if you go to Collectible Exchange, which is cxstuff.com, cxstuff.com, you can pick any of my three books and get that for free, or you can go to Amazon and get it on Kindle, I guess, as well. I'm happy to autograph the book just put a note in there if you want something autographed particularly the first book the business playbook if you're young and you want to get into sales and you're an entrepreneur that's a great book it's my first book i wrote uh living on purpose if you're you know in your 30s and you're looking to reset and you're a little bored of what you're doing mm-hmm. living on purpose probably my best work that's the last book i wrote and then you, you got balls is everything i learned from my mom who i was a great mm-hmm. business and, and uh, that's the book should have been called everything I learned from my mom and I made a lot of money because of her so uh, it's a great book about how I built the company up and all the lessons that I've learned and it starts from my childhood all the way up so all three books are good reads I'm very proud of them all uh, I'm a big LinkedIn guy you gotta follow me because I'm over the amount of uh, connection but follow me and I answer all the messages or you can just message me brandonsteiner.com there's my website if you ever want to get a hold of me for speaking any of that kind of stuff but thanks for having me I'll be back on the kid of me now I got worldwide connections man I love yes. it You've done a nice job. I love it. I love your purpose. So it's all Thank good. you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. I'm super happy that uh, I've done this with you. I'm really excited. And I'm like, I'm blushing. I'm nervous. I'm really um, happy. One last question before we go. One last question. Who's your favorite or who do you think is the number one basketball player? Oh, yes. I think it's a hard question because I've been following basketball for so many years. And I still play at 60 years old. I've got an indoor court at my house. And I'm going to go shoot your indoor shots right now. But my favorite player growing up was Clyde Frazier and Oscar Robertson. I think the best player on the planet of all time is Michael Jordan. I think the best player on the planet right now is LeBron James. And I think the best player in the near future, which he's a great player now and he's only going to get better, is Kevin Durant. I think you got to keep an eye on him because... He's an amazing player, and you don't find guys that are 6'9", 6'10". He's a modern version of Magic Johnson, who, by the way, is my favorite athlete of all time is Magic Johnson. He can play five positions. He can coach the team. He can own the team. And he's an incredible businessman. He's an incredible entrepreneur. He's been a mentor to me. I love Magic. I think he's once-in-a-lifetime personality. Hopefully that answers that question. Thank you so much. That was awesome. I totally appreciate you, and I'm... Super excited again, again, that you were here with me. Thank you so much, Brandon. I hope to speak to you very soon. Thank you guys for tuning in this amazing episode of the Entrepreneur Accelerator Podcast. I see you next time. 
Hey, and thanks for listening. If you've liked this episode and you want to go a lot deeper and you want to learn more about my philosophies and methodologies and tactics on leadership, business, finance, and mindset, everything that I learned and implemented to hit the seven figure while building the business around your life and family, if you want to create an impact and be a high achiever, then I really encourage you to check out my program, the Business Accelerator Lab. It's transforming lives because it's an implementation lab. It's the information there is really, really powerful and very tactical. You know, people have asked me before, Reem, how did you manage to get all that done in just a few years with no following, no external funding? And they asked, can you mentor us? They understand that all great athletes have a coach because a coach holds them accountable. Even superstars have a mentor because a mentor pushes them and challenges them and is honest with them and teaches them. And so if you believe that you are maybe stuck in your life or maybe you're successful but you want to significantly get to the next level, if that's of an interest to you and you don't want to waste years of your life trying to figure it out, then I'd love to tell you about the Business Accelerator Lab. It's my mentoring program where you're gonna absolutely love it. We'll talk all mindset, business, marketing, productivity, simply how to run your business and not let your business run you. It's exactly what I've done and how I managed to build three businesses all the way from Saudi Arabia while being a mom. The final thing that I'll leave you with is this. If this episode of the Entrepreneur Accelerator has been valuable to you, I would love it if you would share it with three of your friends in the next 24 hours so we can get the message out. I want to thank you for being here with me in this episode and I wish that you all received great value from it. If you'd like to know more about me and what I do, let's connect on Facebook or maybe you can book a power session with me at reemkharbat.com. That is R-E-E-M-K-H-A-R-B-A-T.com. One more time, thank you so much and I'll see you next time. Take care.